Ladies and gentlemen, it is the uh, podcast that everyone's been waiting for. Uh, you didn't know you were waiting for it, but I'm telling you that you are. This is the podcast of sessions uh, based on the live stream seen live at Shaker's Bar in downtown Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And I'm your usual host and creator of the show, Eric Harper. I'm doing a little five-minute preview of, of, of some podcasts going to be coming up that we're going to be doing. We're going to do some special one-on-one debates and some other things like that for you guys. We'd love for you to stop by and join us no matter what the side of the coin that you're on, what side of the, the argument that you're on. Someone will be there to cover your end of things. So what I want to talk about real quickly is to kind of introduce you to who I am. I have uh, been all over the world in the military. I have held several different jobs, including being a cop and a prison guard. I'm currently a bar owner in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and uh, that is how this uh, show got started was through the bar and my idea that there's no show, there's no uh, bar talk show, so to speak. So I thought, well, if I could do a bar talk show, it might be uh, might be interesting, might be worth it. So this is what that is, and this is based on the show sessions. I wanted to talk briefly about the uh, the fact that when you are in a disagreement or argument with someone in reference to politics or social social situations, what you'll notice is that one side of the argument, and I'm going to let you figure out which side of the argument that is, but I'm going to let you... Think about for a minute which side of the argument always wants to control the narrative, and the narrative has a negative connotation because of of, of our president and other people that that know the media puts a narrative out to kind of fill a story. And a narrative basically is creating a story to back up a, a political view or a or a a direction you want people to go in. Well, one side of the one side of the aisle or the coin wants to control the way you think and what you say. And wants you to, if you don't agree with them, by offering facts and figures, they tell you that you're wrong and you're either hateful or they compare you to Nazi officers or to other communists, right-wing communists, I might add, which, which is ironic because they're doing exactly the same thing that they're blaming you for doing, which is blocking free speech and thoughts. The problem in this country right now is that we have a country full of people that were raised on uh, uh, parents keeping hands off as as in discipline and and involvement in kids' lives. So kids are growing up on the internet with with all of the stuff they see, and when they get out in the world, they have their opinions already formed, and it it takes a while to break it. But I haven't met too many liberals, uh, too many people on the other side of the aisle, the ones that tell you how to think and feel. I haven't met too many, too many of them over the age of 50. Now, I'm sure there's a bunch of them out there. I see them at all kinds of rallies. But there's there's a, there's a quandary here because to be successful in this country when it comes to capitalism and to just in general social economic standards, it's all about perspective. I, I had nothing more than anyone else had in this life, and I made a life for myself. And so those on the left were told that they deserved to have things basically when you are on the left you are taught that you should get stuff you should get free stuff and free stuff is actually the opposite of what this country is about this country is about uh getting up and working and fighting and 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 moving forward every day and trying to forge ahead in the in the face of trouble we're, we are a country of survivors and of, of warriors. 
our history, our history, our short history compared to some countries, is it's very clear. We are a country of, of fighters and warriors. We it is counter to our belief system. It is counter to who we are as people. I believe that we take the turn the other cheek mode. Now, when it comes to uh, certain individuals, sometimes it just doesn't do any good to try to convince them, and I turn the other cheek while I'm walking away. But I don't do that very often. And I believe it's our job as as people that are are leaning conservative to educate and uh, and inform those around us that may not be educated and informed. Now they counter that argument with, "Well, why is your education, your information better than mine?" It's not. It's just factual. I'm not saying my information is better than yours. There's no degree of of better or worse when it comes to information. It's just, is it true or is it not true? Otherwise, it's your opinion. And a lot of times, the people on the left decide that their feelings and their opinion matter more than facts. In fact, we've had, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has actually made reference to, that truth is not as important as, as, as feelings. And facts and truth are different. Somebody tried to make that argument to me. I, I laugh at them because they're they're being petty. And I think that's what we're talking about with the left when it comes to Donald Trump. I uh, On the session so, show recently, I uh, had some guests on. And, and one of the guests who is a suffers from Trump syndrome, Trump derangement syndrome, uh, obviously, if you'll listen to the show, it was episode 44 of the session show on the live stream on the Shakers Bar downtown Facebook page. You can check that out anytime. But he brought to to bear some evidence of Trump's malfeasance and how he was such a bad president and and his reason that he had these these opinions and comments about Trump. And his first argument out of the box was Trump Hotel in the 70s. His casino. Well, I informed him that I wasn't aware of a Trump casino in the 70s. I have to do some research on that to find out for sure if it's true, but from what I'm from what I'm told, from what I have heard, there was no Trump casino anywhere in the 70s. I don't think he had one until the 80s. Um, and then he started to go back and talk about how the staff in the the staff in the the hotel, I should say that the casino the black staff was always put at the back of the room for some, I don't know, odd reason. And they were, he was blaming Trump for this move. And I did edu- I tried to educate him and it wasn't, didn't work for him. It didn't click, but I was trying to educate him that Trump doesn't own these, bu- these businesses. He doesn't own Trump casino or, or a Trump, uh, casino in Atlantic city. He doesn't own that. His name is on it. He has nothing to do with the day-to-day operation of the hotel. Now, are there some places that he owns? Sure. I think he's a partner partner in Miralago, which is supposedly his golf course. But I guarantee you there's other people involved in that. And I guarantee you Trump doesn't do the hiring in that situation. And, and I guess for lack of a better phrase or term, it's below Trump to hire in these places. Not because he can't do it, but because he's got, he's got too much going on even before he was president. Now, as you know, he basically took himself out of running all his companies, and his sons and his daughters run the companies, and ever since he got away, we don't see his sons and daughters as much as we used to because they're busy running the company. 
they they pop up every once on on interviews, but they're far less involved with the with the campaign. We'll see him again here as the campaign starts to kick into the, the overdrive as we get closer to November. But my whole reason for doing this podcast is to tell the truth. And the last thing I'm going to tell you about before I go on this little short snippet ter- on this uh, Friday evening, I want to let everybody know that all lives matter is not an insult to black lives matter we are not the people that say all lives matter are not saying all lives matter because black lives don't matter they're saying it because they do matter we just don't i know in my personal opinion the reason that we don't uh i don't like to say black lives matter even though they do matter i like to say all lives matter because in this world of, of, of derision and, and separation, we don't need any more separation of the races. Black Lives Matter, in the title alone, cuts white people out of the deal. And yet when they want white people to support them, I'm, I'm fine with that. We'll support you. But you can't tell us what to think and feel and what to say. If somebody wants to say all lives matter, that's on them. They find you saying black lives matter ridiculous. So when they say all lives matter, you find it ridiculous. The point is, is we should not be trying to tell each other how to think, feel, or talk. That is communism. Plain and simple. So if you are a communist disguising yourself as a kind-hearted liberal, please be aware that we are on to you. We, if anything's happened through Trump's presidency in the last three and a half years, is that people have gotten a lot more educated, a lot more... Uh, informed on the issues. I mean, obviously some haven't, but if you care, there's so much information at your fingertips on your phone, and you can do lots of verification on it. It gives you the chance to not just be a talking head that talks through, you know, clickbait headlines, and uh, and and catches the CNN news ticker at the bottom of the screen, and then you regurgitate that back to people like you know what you're talking about. Because as soon as you do that, someone like me is going to come along and call you on your BS. If you don't have facts to back it up and you don't know where the articles are, and you cite some sources that are confirmed to be actually not journalistic, like Vox, V-O-X, oh hell, Fox News for that matter too, and HuffPost and several different other publications and, and uh, media outlets. If, if you're quoting them, I'm going to call you on it because you're going to have to show me backup sources for it. There's a way to get to the truth on things. We have to be willing to accept what the truth is. That's the problem, though. Those on the left have a problem with the truth because when they're presented with the truth, they don't, they don't acknowledge it. They talk around a subject. I asked one of the guests on the show last night if Trump was racist and of course he tried to pull the white privilege card out which doesn't work with me or anybody else white privilege was not my question I asked if Trump was racist he finally said yes and I said okay now I wanted everyone at the table to be quiet and I said okay now tell me what you've seen or heard that tells you that Trump's a racist what is it not one person could tell me anything they made excuses, they hemmed, they hauled, they, they coughed, they looked around, they got uncomfortable, they looked on the internet, they, they kept kind of trying to figure out the right answer, trying to talk their way out of it. This is my point. You can ask the liberals and the left, is somebody a racist? And, and unless they can come up with something right away, it's not true. They can say it all they want, but that's the problem. We need to quit 
throwing the word racist around and the word love around and the word uh, activist around because they get misused and overused all the time and then they lose their effect. Right. To all my to all my brothers and sisters in Black Lives Matter, God bless you. I hope you safety and I want things to get better for whatever you feel like is the problem. I don't want to speak for you. I know what you've said and I know what other people have said, but we just now have gotten word that Yesterday or the day before, you guys put five uh, mission statements or, or what you're wanting, basically not demands, but what you're seeking uh, from the U.S. government or from law enforcement. Basically, it's all law enforcement oversight. Well, as many of you know, I'm starting a organization called the Community Coordinating Group, CCG for short. There's a Facebook page you can check out. It has a very loosely uh, based description of what CCG will do, but I'm working on the the uh, verbiage and wordage right now to have my attorney take a look at it, make sure that I'm not going to, you know, violate any uh, non-profit laws and stuff like that. But basically this program, if somebody gets on board with me, which I've got a couple people interested, is about actual real change and about doing something positive and not separating people into different groups now it doesn't mean we can't we 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 deny or we can't uh accept the fact that different groups have different issues in the world that's a that's a that's real simple we we can do that but what we cannot do is we cannot keep separating ourselves because the media tells us we should if you're if you have not suffered from racism or prejudice or oppression, if you not personally suffered from it and you are a person of color and yet you're marching for your brothers and sisters, if you don't know anybody that's that's been oppressed or, or suffered through some type of oppression, if you don't know anybody, then how do you how, how are you supporting it? You're supporting it because somebody tells you to? Somebody is, is, is in your ear telling you that because you're white you should feel guilty and you have to support and, and defend black lives as opposed to other lives? Is that what we're doing? I don't think that's what we're doing. Because I, I wanna I wanna make sure that everybody that's involved in this trying to change the world, when we change the world, we wanna make it permanent. We wanna fix the issues that, that face us. And they face us all. No, I'm not a person of color. No, I don't believe that I've uh, um, actually been, uh, I mean, I, I believe I've suffered from some type of a oppression or racism, and I can tell you this story on another show, but I don't know what it's like to be a person of color. But I will tell you this, too. In a world like this, it's the only time that that, that black folks are the, have the most privilege they've ever had. And if you look at things, black folks have more privilege than whites in the fact that they get college, college funding, jobs, uh, the affirmative action program, that's all for black folks, people of color. It has nothing to do with white folks. We have never had that. And they say, well, you, you've had it because you've had control. I don't know who's had control. I don't, I don't have control. I've never had control. All I know is, is that I had to get loans that I had to pay, and I've had to uh, work as hard as anybody else to get what I've got. That's why in these times I like listening to Thomas Sowell. I like listening to uh, to Morgan Freeman and, and guys that are that are black and have something to say about racism and have actually Thomas Sowell has actually lived through it. He's he's a, a late guy that's in his late seventies and he is a super intelligent guy, a black man, but he's a realist. He's a he's a philosopher on modern uh, modern issues. He's a he's a genius, 
and he he discounts and 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 completely destroys the racist argument when it talks about system, systematic racism and and all of that. And I and I, I encourage you, if anybody's listening, read Thomas Sowell um, and uh, read uh, as many things as you can. Also, I want you to read books and literature from uh, black Americans and black individuals that tell their story. We can learn a lot about someone's life through their through their words and their stories, and we need to we need to know who who we're who we're partnered with, because in this struggle for for justice and peace for everybody, we're going to have to team up. That's the only way we're going to beat back the system, and it's not the the race that's causing the divide; it's the system that's causing the divide. And as soon as we all realize that, as soon as we all can settle in and say, you know, it's not my black friend or my white friend's problem; it's everybody's problem. And it's something we can all fix together. So in, with, with the events of recent times, I think we've kind of come to a crossroads where people are finally at a point where they want something to get done. Black Lives Matter finally, after probably five or six years of existence, I'd have to look back to when they, whenever the, the start of Ferguson, but we're looking at five or six years of difference time. Um, it, this is the first time since Ferguson that there's been so much movement in the, in the civil, uh, in the Black Lives Movement. And they finally, just finally announced their five requirements or requests that they want filled. And it all has to do with law enforcement. Now, I'm going to get that list and I'll put it out on one of the shows, but that list is probably available online on the, on the Black Lives Matter uh, request. And uh, it should help kind of quiet down some of this and then we move forward here but but the last question that remains for me is let's just say I, I compare this to when Boston won the World Series and I'll tell you why Boston uh, had the curse of the Bambino for so long right for was a hundred and something years they won in 1904 and then in 2000 uh, 2004 I believe it was so it was like 200 years or a hundred years between championships or whatever and they swept the Cardinals in four games, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. But I, uh, I, I use this analogy to make it to, to make people realize that um, what happens after things are fixed. That's always my question: is let's say, for example, we we were living in a town, um, and it, and I'm, let me go back to my Boston analogy. Let's just say, for example, you know, Boston broke the curse; they beat the, the Cardinals in 2004 and became World Series champs. All of the the things that they were saying about being cursed and never and, and not being able to get through and you know they always played the, they had they had that that classic uh, sweethearted underdog thing going on. Well, that's gone now. Now they don't have any excuses. Now I'm not saying their excuses are wrong. Just like I'm not saying Black Lives Matter's excuses are wrong for anything that happens. What I am saying is is what happens after Black Lives Matter gets what they want? Is it going to stop with? A few few things that are that are pretty simple to take care of. I think working on law enforcement and training and re reeducating and uh, community involved policing. I think is I think is important. I don't think there's any problem with that. Um, we're not going to disband any police departments. We're not going to turn them. That's that's asinine. That's what's being talked about now. But what happens after after we have if if BLM does get its five requests from the US government and they make they they write it into law or they make it a, an executive order or whatever it may be then what then then what comes next is that is it ever going to be enough the reason i say that is is yes everybody should have equality under the law and yes do i think that uh, black men um on the whole are targeted 
more by police than white men are. I think it depends on the community that you're in. I think if you are a, a white officer in a predominantly black neighborhood, obviously you're going to have more runs, run-ins with, with black people. Um, but I've been pulled over because I matched the description of another bald white guy. That's pretty simple. And he was driving a red car and I had like a maroon car. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It really is. So, I will uh, talk to you later, guys. And uh, I will get back with you soon. This is uh, Eric from Sessions. Thank you for listening to this short little snippet of podcast, a preview of more things to come. You can check check us out on our live stream on Facebook from the Shakers Bar Downtown Cape Facebook page. That's every Thursday from 8 to 10 p.m. And then stay tuned uh, either after or before the show. Typically, we'll go one hour before or one hour after with some special interviews and other guests that we'll, uh, we'll be spending a little more time with in the, in the regular table. But we'll back back with the hijinks every Thursday. We hope you join us on Sessions, live stream from Cape, and uh, we will see you then and hear from you then. Good night.